Hi, welcome back to The Verge Cast from Verge Now, a resource for creative and innovative leaders in ministry. I'm your host, Lisa Smith, the pastor and artistic director at Convergence, a creative community of faith. Today begins a new series of podcasts related to our current case study, Reimagining Worship and Soulful Community for Rising Generations. First of all, I want to say a big thank you to the Calvin Institute for Christian Worship. Um, This entire project is made possible through a vital worship grant from them um, in Grand Rapids, Michigan, with funds provided by the Lilly Endowment. And I'm going to stop right here and say that if you are not familiar with the Calvin Institute for Christian Worship and their Vital Worships grant, to definitely head on over to their website and check that out. Because if you are somebody who is looking at new ways of doing worship, or you really just want to go deeper into particular practices within worship, of prayer, scripture reading, um, how communities gather, um, even exploring interpersonal connections. Uh, This is a a great resource for having um, more time and money. Um, They provide resources for for books, for uh, study groups, for food for you to gather and have conversation. They're just a really, really fantastic resource, and um, they give grants every single year, and they're always looking for more projects from large and small congregations. So definitely check that out, and we are very appreciative uh, for the opportunity. Um, So just to catch you up a little bit, uh, Verge Now is a website that's dedicated to documenting the case studies, basically, from our experiments in worship at Convergence. Um, You know, in worship, arts, Christian community, everything we've been about and been into for the last 12 years, and uh, you can head over to www.vergenow.org and take a look at some of those case studies. And we're going to be continuing to catalog and add more of those past experiences over the coming year. But of course, we're not just going to focus on the past. Like everyone else, we're navigating the ever-shifting landscape of the future, but hey, the present. <laughs> so... Um, so this Virginal podcast is a way to invite you into our journey, and hopefully our questions and experimentations might be useful to you as well in some way. So uh, this current case study uh, is, like I said, is, is about redefining or discovering what worship uh, should look like for us as a creative community. Um, who has really uh, found it very meaningful to involve artistic practices in our spiritual lives and also has a real um, affinity for ancient contemplative practices. And so merging those two to create um, maybe modern contemplative practices or to um, make them more a part of our artistic and daily lives. So... um, so we're exploring that over the course of the year through this this grant that we've been given. Um, but the first quarter, the first part that we're going to be focusing on in this series is what we're calling Gather, Gather 2019. And that's um, really looking at the way that uh, how we gather, well, for one thing, for worship is changing. The religious landscape is changing dramatically, um, but also the way that we as a culture are gathering, uh, that 
goes from online, uh, how it more and more of of who we are and our relationships and our search for meaning and depth are moving online as opposed to in person. Um, but also even in physical organizations, um, the way that millennials in particular and then Gen Z are changing um, the way we gather. So we as a... Um, as a quarter uh, over this last quarter, we as a congregation um, have been kind of digging into this piece of the process. Uh, we have about 15 people who've committed to read a number of resources and then come together a couple times for half day, day long uh, sort of retreat discussion sessions where we dig into that and try to find the meaty questions that arise from this reading, the things that are challenging to us, the things that are interesting to us, the things that are new to us, and um, also to find questions that need to be asked of others. So some questions we need to ask of ourselves, like how much are we willing to change um, or what about what we're doing needs to shift. But then there are other questions that we need to find to go to what we're calling quote unquote experts, um, so some people who are successfully connecting with uh, rising generations and um, successfully kind of merging uh, spiritual community and um, and soulful community. Uh, so so this is all coming out of these great reports that we've been reading. Um, first of all, we've been reading these reports from Angie Thurston and Casper Tailkul of um, Harvard Divinity School called How We Gather. And there's a series of actually six reports at this point, and we've been studying the How We Gather report and the Something More report. And uh, the, the, the kind of overview of what these reports are is uh, just what I said about l- looking at the way that millennials are changing the way we gather. And um, th- they initiated this series of reports to kind of look at something they were seeing on an anecdotal level that it, you know, at the same time that we are hearing so much about uh, churches declining and that religious landscape changing to more and more none and duns. Um, that there is a rise in other kinds of organization where people are coming together to meet the needs that are were traditionally met in churches in other places. Um, and and even the way that they're meeting looks a lot like church, which is one of the surprising uh, things to me of finding because it's not so much the form that's the problem there is something perhaps deeper there. So people are finding spiritual community in places that it was not necessarily intended that way. Uh, one one uh, example of that is CrossFit. And, and that's one of the, the biggest examples that they looked at in, in the reports um, is that people who are coming together for exercise, for fitness, um, then are finding a depth of community that they've never had before. And so they're kind of asking the questions, why is that? What is it about the way that CrossFit is organized that that kind of community is happening and that that they are growing like crazy without advertising? It's a word of mouth kind of thing. And people are sticking and uh, take it very, very seriously. So um, what is it about the way that they're doing that that perhaps 
churches and religious organizations might want to pay attention to things like CrossFit, SoulCycle, um, but even um, groups that meet together to listen to music on a regular basis. Uh, There's a group in New York that has a Sunday morning program every Sunday morning at about 11 o'clock. The shape of it is almost like a worship service where they have a poet who speaks and they have a, a guest, a set of guest musicians who play. And uh, it's, they, they describe it in religious language. It's just without God. So what's happening that people are being drawn to these things um, and at the same time seeming like people are drawn away from traditional express, expressions of church? But on the other hand is this report called Something More. And part of what the Harvard team was exploring as they were interviewing these different organizations was that constantly something popped up in there that they term something more. So while, yes, these organizations are filling this uh, need for community or are connecting on a much deeper level than just going to the gym, there still is this uh, kind of underlying desire for something more that is not being met, that still needs uh, somebody who is trained and uh, spiritually or religiously um, deeply connected to be able to serve in those pastoral functions that um, you know people are bringing these needs into these communities that are not really set up for that. So there is obviously the core of, of, of who we are as churches and 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 the God piece um, that is still missing and somehow there is this, desire for that, even if it's not named in that way. So it's it's fascinating. The whole the whole thing is really fascinating and and it's sort of driven us into a deeper exploration of millennials in general and Gen Z and how these different forms of meeting might inform us in the future. And and I find it also very hopeful yeah, one of the quotes that they have in the Something More report is that too many institutional leaders, having devoted their lives to their community, feel as if they failed when numbers shrink, and this has led to a culture of shame. Yet in a society so rapidly transformed by technology and globalization, it's no wonder that our religious lives, too, are changing. And so their invitation is for leaders across traditions to tune their hearts to a new key of imagination and hope exploring the unexpected ways that their decades of experience may yet bear fruit. So uh, the question that they put out there is how might these religious organizations transform to meet a rising generation? And that is the core question that we are asking coming out of, of that report. And then the second piece of our study is uh, we're reading The Art of Gathering, uh, a book, The Art of Gathering, How We Meet and Why It Matters by Priya Parker. Uh, And she, uh, in her, her book description, she says, at a time when coming together is more important than ever, Parker sets forth a human-centered approach to gathering that will help everyone create meaningful, memorable experiences, large and small, for work and play. And I'm finding this to be a really great companion piece to this exploration of the way that gathering is changing, 
because her book is really a, a series of, of challenges and questions to think very intentionally about why and with whom and uh, for, for what end result are we gathering. And uh, having um, taken many worship classes and taught worship classes, I would highly recommend this book for um, any exploration of creating worship or liturgical liturgy. Obviously, not from a Christian perspective. I mean, it's not a, a church book, but she's looking at everything from large scale corporate or government meetings to church meetings to uh, dinner parties in your home. And the principles are really all the same. Um, mainly pushing what is your purpose, what is your purpose, what are your purpose, why specifically are you coming to gather on this Sunday morning in this way for whom and for whom is it not? One of the the kind of hottest part of her book is where she talks about exclusion, um, but it's exclusion in a in a good way, I think in a healthy way to think about we can't do everything we have to be about something very, very particular, which in worship is is worship of God, is prayer, um, but also understanding who your congregation is, and also understanding that planning a worship service for a 25-person or a 50-person or a 100-person or a 5,000-person congregation is very, very different. The different sizes of, of groups meeting together are able to do different things and are, are better at different things than others. And so the questions involved in this book are really, uh, really helpful. And, and I've been starting to already try to apply that within our worship service of thinking about how we even enter the space, um, how we invite people into worship. And, and one of the things that uh, links up very specifically with the research on millennials is that people that, you know, you say rising generations, but I realize this is true of myself, are generally doing your shopping and your decision-making online before you're ever going to actually show up in a place. So the research shows that people um, are frequently uh, participating, you know, churches that are recording sermons or have that kind of ongoing online content, people are participating in your church for up to six months or more online before they ever step foot in in the door. So if you are not providing an entree um, through your invitation for them to understand who you are and to understand what it means to be a part of your co your community, your congregation, um, you're wasting a huge a huge opportunity, basically. So lots of good meaty stuff like that. And I, I think it's a great thing for a worship team maybe to read together. Um, and it applies to small group meetings or any kinds of um, any kind of meeting because we really are, she talks about creating a, an alternative world, which has its own rules and its own structure. And I think there is a lot about that that's uh, applicable within a coming together as a Christian community. There's an opportunity to um, teach even through the atmosphere and structure that's created, through what we expect and what we explicitly expect from people. And I think it's also helpful in situations where you have a prescribed liturgy that is not able to change or in a very traditional church where it's been done the same way forever and that's how it is. Thinking through these questions and thinking through how to invite people into 
the meaning behind how we meet could bring a lot of um, reinvigorating, I think, into that into that worship space. So that's my advertisement for the art of gathering. And I, so far, you know, in our conversations, um, some people have loved the book. Other people's people have not liked the book because she brings up some controversial things. But I think that that is what makes the book so good, uh, that there is plenty to really kind of chew on and argue about. And to think about um, the skill level that it takes really to gather well. And um, how do we get better at doing that, and that really might be some of the lessons that come out of this. How these how we gather reports is that um, there are some very specific things that are being done uh, it, to intentionally gather people together around a specific purpose that maybe we haven't evaluated uh, in a long time in a lot of our worship gatherings. So, so there's some good good questions to ask. I have so many things that we can talk about. <laughs> we uh, we had our first study group meeting on this past Friday, and it was a really wonderful six hours together where we came together and we shared stories. We had some really lovely food and um, played some games and really got into deep conversation and, again, had some great places where people asked very challenging questions, pushback kinds of questions, but all in a very healthy sense of where does this lead and uh, what might be, be thinking about. And so I, I wanted to set up our upcoming series uh, by talking about a little bit about this last weekend and um, just kind of some of the things that I'm getting out of these readings and the conversations so far. Um, so, first of all, there are two sets of questions that we are exploring or that we're looking at. One is the questions that we need to ask ourselves, and the second set is what questions do we want to ask others? And these others being, um, like I mentioned, some of the groups that would have been case studies in How We Gather. So, we have a, a couple of people that I have podcasts set up with who are leading different organizations that are gathering together in for un unique purposes that uh, we think we can learn something from. And um, and then the other is uh, people who are in involved in ministry and in church planting who are connecting uh, successfully with, with rising generations. Um, and then some of those people happen to be in that quote-unquote rising generation <laughs> category. So what do we want to ask millennials? Um, and and it, we're doing that not just through these interviews, but also through a lot of online research um, to discover some of that. So I would say that the most fascinating insight that I've gained from reading these reports is actually... I'm really stuck on the CrossFit thing. There's an interview that if you dig, you can find that uh, Casper and Angie did with uh, with the founder of CrossFit. And, and it's interesting because he has just a very clear idea of what he's doing um, and, and why, and he's very values-driven. Um, but I don't think he ever had any kind of intention that he was going to be building a community necessarily. But he's been, they've been very successful at it, and he's very adamant about, uh, he's definitely one of these, uh, you know, networked leaders as opposed to kind of top-down leadership. 
there's a series of values and core principles that have to be in place in each box. That's what they call each gym. Um, but each one has a very different flavor depending on who it is that, that owns that gym and kind of creates that community. But what's consistent within that that is surprising to me is the level of intensity. So this is a gym. So obviously you're expected to work out. But CrossFit is known for being an incredibly intense place for working out where people are doing ultra intense workouts and they are pushing themselves to their limits or beyond their limits. And there's a high, high sense of accountability among the people who are present where they're encouraged to call each other. If like, if I was supposed to be at the gym at three o'clock and I didn't show up, it's encouraged and expected that somebody who's at the gym who knows I was supposed to be there would give me a call and say, what's your problem? Get your butt over here. That kind of thing. Like this is the ethos that people are opting into and they're growing because people are saying, to their friends, to their spouses, to their, you know, I don't know, grocery store, whoever they meet, you, you've got to come do this. And I think, and, and it seems like a big part of that is because they're seeing results and they're seeing results, not just physically, but also then in their capacity for living. So their, their discipline in all areas of their life, their confidence in all areas of life, their comfortability with, you know, with people in all areas of life are improving because they're having a, you know, a deep sense of community with like-minded people, but more along the lines of people who are committed together towards something bigger than themselves. And, and they're committed to these practices. So I see a lot of parallel between the gym idea and church really because we're talking on one hand about physical disciplines and a church we're talking about spiritual disciplines and jay is actually the first one who kind of got me thinking about this kind of spiritual gym idea but i i am surprised because i i think i have operated under the assumption and i don't think i'm the only one that uh that people are no longer willing to commit um, they, you know, don't push people to become members, don't um, ask too much. But but here we have CrossFit, and I'm thinking of another story where somebody was telling me that, you know, a guy was, was saying, well, you know, I coach my, um, my son's little league, and I'm required to show up for a training for three hours on a Saturday. Why, why would I not expect that I would have to commit on that level in my church to lead something or participate in something? So I don't know, maybe this is just common sense to everybody else and it, I'm the only one that it's it's new to. But I'm, I'm thinking not only is there perhaps permission to have high accountability, but maybe that's part of the secret sauce, you know, that offering a clear path towards spiritual growth and to be able to say, if you follow these practices, you will see a transformation in your life but you must follow these practices. You must be committed to whatever that is. And then that high sense of accountability. I mean, we we have a culture, we've just kind of sort of accepted the culture that, you know, if somebody shows up twice a month to church, then, you know, they're they're regulars. They're like really regulars, you know. Um, 
but perhaps that's the wrong attitude. Um, and perhaps we can really think about that in a, in a deeper way. Um, another surprising thing was, again, this counter-cultural thing, like we talk about language, and I think we do need to be careful about churchy language, and we need to find ways to communicate what we mean and say what we mean as opposed to the code word for what we mean in order to let new people in. But that being said, all of these organizations uh, frequently use religious language, like congregation Um and that does not seem to be off-putting. So for me, I'm I'm thinking more about that. Are there things, and and that coupled with the the um, realizations and the the something more about what churches have to offer? Are there actually areas where we need to bring forward language w- within the church? Uh, almost, <laughs> I hate to say advertising, but almost on an advertising level, things like pastoral care. These are things that people need and um, don't even know are available to them. You know, as we look at millennials uh, and the millennial issues, quote unquote, I, I think, you know, a lot, a lot of it from what I see boils down to a sense of, of being taught, of being in a position where they're working really, really hard and the payoff is not as easy or simple as they were led to believe. Success, happiness, um, you know, having a job that that is fulfilling and has the schedule that you want, you know, living your best life, all of these things that have been promoted, you know, if you work hard, you can get anything you want, you know, that their expectations of how soon that should arrive and what level of effort for what level of output um, is just disappointing. Put on top of that, there's this overwhelming sense, and this is not an exaggeration just from conversations that I've had with people, that there's a sense that the world is literally ending probably before they naturally die, maybe even before they have children. I mean, there's a sense of it's not just someday the planet or wars or disease or whatever is going to end this, but the world is hopeless. And that is heartbreaking. And I think that there is an enormous opportunity for churches to step in with a vision of hope, uh, a vision of humanity, uh, God's vision for the world, God's vision for humanity, and, and, and the sense that prayer is actually a powerful, meaningful tool prayer is doing something and to allow them to see that. So a lot of, in a lot of sense though, I think the, what I'm resonating with is that these millennial quote unquote issues are just human issues brought like to the surface. Can we get along with each other? Is it possible for people from differing viewpoints to have a civil conversation with one another? How do we embrace everyone and maintain our individuality? Um, How do I disconnect from the online world in order to connect with myself and with something greater? How can I find the tools for, for finding a meaningful life, for finding meaningful connections? These are all the things that the church is about, and these are the primary things that millennials are thinking about. So to me, it says, just screams opportunity. 
So I think, and an opportunity in the way, like not not to grow our churches, but opportunity, like it is a moment where God is opening doors. God has been working in the church to kind of, I think, deconstruct a lot of our assumptions about the way things should be and new innovative expressions of that are popping up. And at the same time, the culture is moving in a space of just real openness. And I think I think it's irresponsible for us not to look and see how can how can we be ambassadors of that? How can we share that? How can we help to create the world which reflects the kingdom of God, which is what we as Christians are meant to be about. So it's just a great opportunity. I think it's it's maybe dangerous for us to get stuck in um, thinking about this too technically, though. Thinking specifically about if we tweak this, if we do this, thinking about it on a mechanical level. They actually talked about this at the... Um, the uh, conference that we went to at the Calvin Institute when we received the, the grant of not thinking of ourselves as mechanics or engineers trying to tweak our experience of worship or church or whatever, but instead to think of ourselves as gardeners tending the soil. So I will always be an advocate of just asking good questions and keeping asking good questions and talking to people and and shifting slowly over time because it's not i don't think there is a magic bullet and it would be very easy to get stuck i think in trying to create like the worship service that connects with millennials i don't think that's going to happen and partially because authenticity is a big part of it so but at the same time you know i i read plenty of articles where millennials are saying we want marketers to talk to us we want them to care about what we care about Fortunately for us as churches, what they care about are their values. So I think focusing in on, on that is the most most important thing. Well, we're excited to be asking questions around some of the things that we found in those reports related to the role that celebration seems to play, um, leadership and the idea of going deep as opposed to broad. Um, this again kind of plays into small group opportunities, but the, also the um, intensity of focusing on specific like spiritual disciplines and how that can connect to people. Um, and one of the big questions that has popped up for us like over this last weekend was about how we connect what we're learning with these other organizations to a speci- the specificity of a Christian tradition. So lots of organizations are kind of gaining traction and being spiritual or the, the mindfulness movement is huge right now. But what happens when you kind of exclude by being specific, being having a Christian perspective? And I'm, I'm not saying exclude like we're intentionally excluding, but we are excluding other forms of religion within that we're, we're, you know, we're talking about a specific set of practices as opposed to this other set of practices or this specific understanding of God as opposed to that other experience of God. And, and certainly, I mean, we strive to create a space where everyone is welcome to participate in that. And 
I, you know, we, even on our website, we don't talk about what we believe as a congregation, because I'm fully aware that our congregation believes all kinds of things, just like, by the way, every congregation, uh, we talk about what we teach. Um, but is that limiting? Is that excluding too much to uh, have a particular Christian perspective? Will people not be interested in engaging with us because we're not, you know, trying to explore the whole gamut of the the spectrum? That's one of our questions because obviously for us, you know, in order to be able to say this is a transformative experience, this is this is the way of living the life you were intended to live is is through the Christ thing. And so that's one of our big questions. And and I'm already finding some really fascinating and, and interesting answers to that. You know, somebody posed a really great question is, is our current culture actually seeking, you know, a spiritual awakening, which is kind of what I'm putting forward, you know, from the research and the what I talk to people about, I, I believe, yes, definitely there is, but I think it's a great question. Um, and I think it's really a great question for churches to ask, because I think from my experience anyway, and being immersed in church culture and with other pastors and congregations, I think we do definitely have this sense that the world is spiritually dead. Like that conversation is over and we're on, you know, it, it's a real struggle. And of course it is a struggle, but just if it is true that we are on the brink of a a spiritual awakening, I think that lights a fire and a fire of enthusiasm under us. And if we don't believe that that's true, I think it's also important for us to understand why, uh, why we would believe that. And then a great question, which is kind of nuts and bolts, is are we really willing to get outside of ourselves to gather well with others? And people are grappling with that question in every <laughs> across all kinds of different um, arenas right now. So I think that's a great conversation or great question anyway, but that's probably what it will ultimately boil down to, won't it? We can ask all kinds of great questions and we can have all kinds of epiphanies and revelations. But if at the end of the day, I'm not willing to make at least 50% of my spiritual experience about my neighbor and not about myself, and we're not willing to do that as a congregation, then there's really nothing more to say. And probably until we decide that we cannot be a Christian outside of community and that um, we can't be a Christian without being concerned about our neighbor and about our culture and about our world, um, then there really isn't much motivation. So I think that's a really, really important question. One of the last quotes from the Something More report is, uh, they say, to the rising generation, materialism, which is the religion, to the rising generation, materialism says, your value is your capacity to consume. And at their best, religious institutions show us there is more to life than this. I am walking into this feeling encouraged. I know that we all know that churches have something to offer, but I think at this moment, it's very significant. And so I'm getting excited about these questions. 
because I think there is a path forward that's very exciting. So as I said, we have been looking at these reports and that's kind of leading us to who would we like to talk to. And so the Gather uh, 2019 project will be going through October. We're going to continue to be reading and uh, meeting together and studying and talking. But we're also going to have a series of podcast interviews with some just interesting people that we want to ask questions to. So I'm very, very excited about this. Um, you can look on our website, www.vergenow.org, and find the lineup of these podcasts and who we're talking to coming forward. Um, but the first one is going to be with Lindsay Hayes, who is at Penn State, and she's working on a dissertation thinking about kind of changing uh, academic models and how that might be applied to churches and specifically taking into, into account Gen Z and the online culture. And we've already had a really amazing conversation and I, I cannot wait to get her in here so that we can talk more and she can share her experiences. She has so many concrete ideas about how we can address some of the questions that, that we've brought up. Um, also, we have Scott Bodkin from Group Muse, which is this beautiful experience of classical music in living rooms and pop-up different situations uh, where they're trying to bring people together really for soulful community around classical music. And it's really a fantastic organization. And uh, Scott is thinking about a lot of great things. So we're going to bring him in and ask him some questions too. And then we have um, Josh Hayden and Tom Lynch from First Baptist Ashland and uh, uh, V3 and Mission Possible. They're involved in a lot of different things, but working with millennials, working with churches who are uh, looking to kind of reimagine themselves in a way. Garrett Wolf, who is a church planter, uh, Brian Kirby, who has spent time in the Teze community and works a lot with, with youth and young people, has been a church planter in Rome. So a lot of variety of experiences. Um, and then we have um, Gannon Sims from Fresh Expressions and uh, Beth, uh, Beth Norcross, uh, who's the executive director of the Center for Spirituality and Nature and Sarah Anders from the Church of the Wild. So that's just the beginning, folks. <laughs> it's an exciting lineup of people who are doing really interesting things and um, thinking about a lot of these same questions and ha are finding really great great ways uh, to, to meet these challenges and meet these questions. So I hope that you will join us for these podcasts. I, I hope that you will come with your questions and that some of those questions will be answered and new questions will be um, kind of surfaced and that maybe you'll send me those questions so that I can ask somebody in another podcast and we can just kind of continue this conversation together. Um, but I just want to close by saying, be encouraged, be creative. God is calling us into this moment in very, very positive, exciting ways. And yes, there are challenges. There are lots of challenges but I think it is so evident that the challenges in our current culture can only be met by a deeper connection with God and with others through God. And so what the church is about is what the world needs. I know that's really obvious, but 
I just feel it <laughs> really, really strong. And if we as, as churches can have the courage to walk into those spaces, to lead our congregation into spaces that um, maybe feel different from where they've been before, I think we can make a really tremendous impact. So I want to thank you for listening and thank you for um, chewing on all of this stuff with me. I would love to hear from you, um, to hear your your comments and your questions. My email is lsmith at ourconvergence.org. And you can also contact us through our vergenow.org website. Um, you can sign up there to get our, our um, news, newsletter updates, um, be notified when the next podcast is coming so that you're not out of the loop and so that you can participate. We, have, uh, we haven't set the dates exactly yet, but we are planning to do a couple of online conversations, probably using Zoom, so that you can come on through your computer and we can have a conversation uh, to talk about some of these questions uh, with a larger group of people and you can participate wherever you are. So stick with us and uh, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.